0: Hello, seekers. My name is Nathan, and this is the Law of One and Spiritual Concepts podcast, where I share my interpretations of the Law of One and other related topics. Today, I'm excited to be joined by my good friend Ryan, who I'm grateful to have met from my Denver Law of One meetup group. Ryan is someone who is very knowledgeable and is great at motivating others, so I'm excited to have this opportunity to talk with him. So, for the episode today, we'll mainly be discussing the gene keys. And also then how this relates to the law of one. So with that, let's dive in. Well, hey, Ryan, welcome. Hi there. Thanks for doing this today. I appreciate having you. Yeah, no worries. Excited to do it. Well, if you don't mind, could you give a little bit of a background story about uh, yourself and then your how your spiritual journey began? Sure. Um, my name is Ryan Lanham, and I'm
1: originally from Texas. I've been out here in Colorado for about 10 or 11 years and it's hard to leave. I mean, if you take a look out the window from where we're sitting right here and see those mountains, it's hard to hard to leave this place. Um, but growing up in Texas, I was always sort of a spiritual child. I would fall asleep at night saying my prayers and spend a lot of time talking to God as I understood it through the Judeo-Christian lens back then. Growing up, my dad was a preacher and he was sort of on the spiritual seeking path too. He was studying the original Hebrew text that later became the King James Bible and he was noticing some mistranslations in the text and that mm. sent him off um sort of moving beyond Christianity and looking into Judaism itself and he would teach and preach to a living room congregation of four or five families and they were kind of going on this path together Mm -hmm. and he was the captain of this ship of seekers i guess you could say (laughs) yeah um but at some point you know i went through my rebellious phase in my teenage years and eventually my almost decade and a half long dark night of the soul and during that time i found myself distancing I was distancing myself from God and um, spirituality and those sort of things. And so it wasn't till my early thirties after hitting rock bottom, which maybe we'll get into here in a minute, but for for this part of it, I'll just say after hitting rock bottom, um, it started me back on the spiritual journey again. And this time, around age 32 I started thinking about God as not a bearded man in the clouds mm-hmm. but a universal force that was beyond duality so a blending of the masculine and feminine energies is how I saw it the creator right like the yeah. original creator um and that worked for a few years i would pray to that sort of entity or energy, the creator. And then at 36, when I was finishing one big chapter in life, I was graduating from the university of Colorado and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next. And there weren't any real prospects on the horizon. I started praying every day when I was running to my higher self, to the universe, to the creator, like, what are my next steps? I don't understand what to do next. And I went for a run one day, and I came home, and there was this box of books on my doorstep. At the time, I didn't know how they got there, but it was all these channeled books. So there was Seth Speaks and some Orin and Dobbin channelings, and, and it was like the universe at that time was like, okay, you're at a place where it's time for an expansion of thought, this injection of cosmic understanding that blew the doors off my Paradigm of perception. And shortly after that, I don't know how, but the raw books fell into my lap. You know, like I came across them online, but I don't remember how. I just remember one day finding The Law of One and I started reading it and instantly was hooked. You know, then I ordered all five books on Amazon and read them over and over. Right. Yeah. It's addicting once you start down that path, right? (laughs) Yeah. It felt like coming home. You know, it was like this resounding truth that i just
0: knew somehow like the information just somehow it felt right yeah yeah that's totally how i feel too the second uh i started in the law of one it was on un- and i didn't have very much of a religious background either so finding the law of one it was a weird feeling for me almost too because it was like this feels so right but this also is so different for me that i've never been a religious or uh spiritual person before i'd even come across them so it's I hear that. I hear that saying a lot. Though a lot of people just feel like this is this is home. This feels right. What all of Raw's messages?
1: Yeah, I'm not a big science guy, but there is this saying, like in physics, that the closer you are to some truth, some mathematical truth, the simpler the formula. So, like Einstein's E equals MC squared. Mm. You know, that's a very elegantly simple formula. And Ra's message was like that. It was this exquisitely simple. We are all one. Yep. You know, like what? We're all one. And then there is the delineation of the two paths: service to others and service to self. I mean, in practice, it gets more complicated and nuanced, and we've got all the catalysts of daily life. But just
0: that right there was like, ah, this is it. Right. We're simplifying a very complicated idea, I guess. But when you when you break it down that way, it just it's a lot easier to digest, and that it just it just feels right. Or I think. <laughs> As humans,
1: we're complicating a very simple idea. That's what I was meaning, I guess. Yeah, yeah In yeah. a backwards it's like, way of saying it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, at that time I was like, okay, I'm service to others, right? That's what rings true for me. I've mm-hmm. always been like that, but in practice, you know, there's all the stuff of everyday life, the catalyst and the shadow elements and all that. So it's definitely a, a work in progress. It has been for me.
0: Yeah. So the other thing I know that uh, you're into is the Gene Keys as well, um, and you're actually a coach of the Gene Keys, right? A uh, guide is the Our term guide. I use. Yeah. Okay. So I got certified as a guide. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about the Gene Keys, I guess, how you came across those and, and what they're what they're all about? Yeah. You know, when I... So just to back up a step, I used to say that
1: if I was ever stranded on a deserted island, I would want the Law of One books with me. Like hmm you know, like that's what I wanted to read if I was stuck somewhere. I would add Gene Keys to that list as like where Raw is, provides a sort of cosmic overview of life, existence, how it happens, the densities we move through and, and all that sort of stuff. The Gene Keys is less philosophy and more practical guide about how to move into the heart which is what we're trying to do, right? The green ray energies. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes the same ideas of evolution coming through the heart, and it provides a map of how to get there. And the way it does that is similar to astrology. To start the Gene Keys journey, you go to the website, genekeys.com, and you create a free profile, and you put in your birth information, and it maps the heavens onto your genetic sequencing. And, you know, I don't fully understand how it works. Right. If you go on YouTube, you can listen to Richard Rudd, the guy who got the transmission.
0: How channeled
1: too then, right? It's not channeled in the sense, like, like um, Carla. You know, I mean, nothing's like the way Carla did it—the narrowband mm-hmm. transmission—and it's not like the channeled books. That I got in that in that box of books where it's trance state. It's more like Richard got these downloads over time and then it just comes through him. But he's not in any sort of altered state okay. as far as I know. And I didn't know how any of that stuff worked until after I had already um, taken it for a test drive. You know, somebody mm-hmm. pointed out the Gene Keys for me at a time where... I was, had finished another really huge chapter in life. I had gone back to grad school and had graduated, and I didn't know what was next, similar to that time in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. But this was, um, actually, this was March of 2022, last year. And I was praying, okay, what is my life purpose? You know, what what am I here to do now? I've done this thing, this, this grad program where I was helping veterans and writing about my story. Too, and that was healing and cathartic but I didn't know what was next and I went to this art show the next day and this lady tapped me on my shoulder a, a lady who I'd only met once or twice and she said have you heard of the Gene Keys I said no what is that she's like I'll send you a PDF of the book and the book is Gene Keys Embracing Your Higher Purpose so I had prayed the night before about what is my purpose and then this book landed in my lap right. And so it doesn't take much for me to understand this is spirit nudging me, you know, the universe, the synchronicities. Yeah. Um, so I just started reading the gene keys that were in my profile, the one I got from doing the free profile, and it was like the raw material in the sense that it felt like home. Mm-hmm. And, but what it does is it shows our specific patterning that we came in with. And do you want me to give you an example? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the first one I read, was my life's work. That's what the sphere is called, the life's work, and it's gene key thirty nine. And the shadow. The, so the way it works is each gene key has three expressions. There's the lower expression that's the shadow mm-hmm. expression, which we're sort of familiar with that term from Jungian psychology. Yep. Then the gift emerges from the shadow as sort of like the green ray um, expression. And then there's a city, S-I-D-D-H-I, that comes from um, maybe Vedic or, or yogic traditions. And it sort of means superpower, but the way I understand it in the context of Law of One is it's like the 4D expression that we're moving toward. That we're not fully there yet. But the gift is something we can access, that frequency. And so that's how the Gene Keys talks about this stuff and how it makes sense to me is that it's a frequency band. So if you're on the lower end of the frequency, which is usually fear-based, you're in the shadow, Mm -hmm. right? And then as you move into the heart, you're in the gift, and then beyond, which would be the maybe Blu-ray or Indigo, would be the city. Mm -hmm. And there's traces of it throughout the whole thing, because the way Richard also talks about it is that the shadow is a seed from which the gift and the city grow. The gift would be the flower, and the city would be the fruit. And so the fruit and the flower don't exist without the seed. So the shadow is like the juicy stuff we're working through. It's the catalyst, essentially, mm. that becomes
0: what what our gifts are when they come online. And those are presented to you in words, right? So that, yeah, yeah. The, the shadow is one term. I guess, could you give an example of a shadow, gift, and city then? Like yeah. what that would look like from the terms? Yeah, and the words don't... You know, we have certain
1: connotations for the words, so if you look at it just at as the one word from each, it may not make sense until you read it. But So for this Gene Key 39 I'm talking about for my life's work, the shadow is provocation. The gift is dynamism, which is kind of a unusual word. And then the city is liberation. And so what it is is, f- you know, pro- the shadow follows you around when you're in a certain frequency band. So for me... Provocation most commonly is expressed through button pushing. That's another another way of talking about it. Okay. And what it says in the Gene Keys is that emotional violence is acoustic. Hmm. It's intonation is how we do it. right? So what's funny is my last partner, she would always tell me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Okay. She would tell me that all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, you know, having been in the military, you say things in a very abrupt way to get your point across. Or like, you know, when drill sergeants are yelling at recruits in basic training, it's using emotional violence to break them down, right? They're in their face, they're yelling at them, they're calling them names, they're doing all these things because you can't just punch a private all day, Mm -hmm. you know, but you can emotionally provoke them. With with this thing, yeah. And so, in the military, I got good at decision making in the in the moment decision making, which happens, you know, like if you're in combat, you don't have this sort of democratic deliberation about what to do. You know, it's like the, as a sergeant, you don't go, "Hey Tommy, we're taking fire from our three o'clock. Would you mind going over there and shooting back at these guys?" No, you don't want to. Right. No worry. I'll I'll get Billy to go do it. <laughs> you know, it's like no, you make decisions in the moment. You go do it. So when I got out of the the military, I was still using that sort of curt, abrupt way of speaking. Maybe not with strangers, but certainly with those who are in my inner orbit—right, the people you're yeah. around day in, day out. But what, so what was interesting to me is that she would always say, "It's not what you say; it's how you say it." Mm-hmm. Right. And then I realized my life's work—it says the same thing in there. Like that's the shadow that follows me around, edits at, at a very simple level. Yeah. Right? But provocation is also or the 39th gene key is the only gene key in the whole set of 64 that is the one where at its darkest expression is about taking another life it ties into our genetic sequencing that goes back to tribalism and survivalism and the time in the in the timeline where we had to do that to survive as a species right Mm -hmm. like you imagine when raw is talking about the first five thousand year cycle and it's the first set of 3d humans that have that sort of tribalism yeah before
0: you're coming out of that pack mentality totally um, from being
1: the animal yeah so we still shared a genetic sequence some some genetic coding with those ancestors of ours right Mm -hmm. the 39th gene key is where the killer be killed part of it is expressed and so what's crazy is that You know, I grew up a a spiritual kid, right? Never been in a fight. I'm a pacifist. I never saw the point. Um, But when I joined the military, the army at 27, and I joined it because I had been a drug addict for 10 years, essentially, since 17, when I had my first um, serious love relationship go south. And I didn't know how to cope. And I started drinking and I was blackout drinker from day one, which spiraled into drug use and on down the down the downward spiral well when i joined at 27 you know i was not in my spiritual center i was pushing further into that dark night of the soul pushing mm-hmm. further into the shadow frequencies and a year you know like in afghanistan there came a night where a man was trying to kill me and i killed him like it is the ultimate expression of the shadow of provocation And it's in my genetic coding. Like, if I dip that deep into the darkness, it's right there. You know, so that was something. That'll speak to you right away there. Yeah, it was just, you know, it's one of those things I never would have seen coming. Ever, ever, ever would have seen coming. Mm -hmm. And it's part of my path now. And it's part of what I, when I help veterans, you know, I help work through some of that trauma and self-forgiveness mostly because... For me, at least, it was easy to forgive so called enemy combatants after getting back, but forgiving myself for um being a part of that because I was under no illusion that we were good guys versus bad guys, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, like I was the guy in the back of the humvee, like talking about conspiracy theories, how we're behind all of it, you know <laughs> yeah. um so it it's been some part of my path, and it's it's been interesting, but the gene keys um provide insights like this about how and why we have certain experiences and so what's interesting about the gene keys is that i had this sort of intuitive hit when i was going through it that it wouldn't help to present the gene keys to somebody who's still deep in the shadow because they haven't had the time or distance or frequency shift enough to have one foot in the gift or they can Mm -hmm. turn around and look back and go wow that was dark being in that energy band yeah instead you're giving them like hey this is the this is the pile of shit you're in good luck right you know but if somebody's moved a little bit into the gift into the heart and they can turn around and recognize the patterns that the gene key shows because it acts as a mirror then that awareness allows us to choose a different way to respond when we recognize are specific shadow patterns popping up so for me if I notice that somebody asks me a question where my, in, my initial reaction is to respond curtly abruptly using emotional violence through the way I respond I go uh uh-uh, uh that's the shadow like take a breath be in the heart yeah. you know take a second to respond kindly intone my words in a frequency that you know ideally would
0: um, resonate harmony yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, so I think you touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to see how the gene keys have impacted your life and then how you think they could impact others. So that's a good question. So the gene keys, when you make your profile, consists
1: of three different paths. There's the activation sequence, followed by the venous sequence, and then the pearl sequence. And they're all designed to do something different. So the activation sequence is our set of Gene Keys that tells us about our purpose, our Mm -hmm. life purpose, our external expression of it, and our internal. And that sort of gets us in the energy field of the Gene Keys itself. Then the Venus sequence is sort of like the meat and potatoes. It's all about love and relationships and our wound map from conception through 21, these different spheres that contain all the different sort of shadow frequencies we inherited from our family or from early life experiences doing that shadow work yields amazing results. We can talk more about that. And then the pearl sequence, the final one is our path to prosperity by unlocking the unique set of gifts that we came here with. So the Gene Keys as a philosophy fully believes that each of us has a unique set of gifts that we came here with and it's designed to unlock that. And it's a path to prosperity through service. Service to others, service of the whole. Beautiful. Yeah. So the way it comes online is you do the healing work. You do the activation work, which puts you in alignment with your purpose. Then you have to do all this shadow work. I say have to. There's an opportunity to do it. Right. <laughs> and then once that's done, then this, this path to prosperity through service comes online. And it's supposed to be, and, and what I've experienced, is pretty effortless. It's paved with synchronicity. It's not like putting your face on a bus stop you know, bench and having to advertise everywhere. It's like this magnetization of people of a similar frequency band that we can serve. Mm-hmm. And so, um, did that answer your question? Or, yeah. yeah. Or design. how's it work for me? Was that yeah, so
0: uh, I guess you kind of covered the general, how people can be benefited yeah. from it. But then, yeah, from, from your personal experience, I guess, what have you seen, too, from uh, how has it helped you? I think...
1: Man, the first time I had it named about the provocation, about the intonation, that was such a game changer because I found myself coming face-to-face with that catalyst Mm -hmm. all the time, you know? It's like that catalyst was not going to go away until I addressed it, and most of it was this awareness. It was like that, you know, the three tenets from Rav, know thyself.
0: Oh, we're going to get into that, yeah. Well,
1: (laughs) say say what it is. It's know yourself, accept accept yourself, yourself, become the become the creator. Yeah. Okay, so it... When I learned about the shadow, it was knowing myself, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's there all the time, or it can be. Mm-hmm. You know, the provocation is, could be anything. It could be somebody cutting in front of you at the grocery store. It can be somebody on the road. This is how it showed up for me. And so recognizing it, knowing myself first, then I accepted it, right? And then I embraced it to a point even. Mm-hmm. And the no know- becoming the creator, I don't know, we'll have to talk about that down the road. I'm not <laughs> sure fully what that entails. But it, it does, it gave me the opportunity to change this experience without having to do the shadow work so much. And so I went through the whole sequence. And when I got to the pearl, uh, well, actually, let me back up. And, you know, I've only been talking about the shadow, right? So mm-hmm. the shadow of provocation becomes the gift of dynamism. And dynamism, in this sense, is using that same energy that just sits below the surface waiting for provocation into a dynamic energy of being—it's a warrior gene. It's being a warrior for the right cause, a warrior for light, if you want to think about it like that. Yeah. So when I started down the healing road—and this is before I came across the Gene Keys—I went to Peru in 2019, and, and this is— you know, almost a decade after I'd gotten out of the army and I still I had done years of therapy, but there was still just some residual gunk, you know, like some yeah. of the war stuff was, I was writing about it and it was still kind of right there and it was affecting my mood and going to a therapist wasn't fully getting rid of all of it. When I went to Peru, um, I had a really profound release experience and most of it centered on self-forgiveness of the acts I of violence I had perpetrated in war. And I got a message the last night I was there that I could help other veterans tell their story and that writing would be a sort of karmic penance. So those two things, I could help other veterans tell their story and writing would be a sort of karmic penance. So I came home and I was talking to my buddy who was an Iraq vet, who was a fellow student veteran at CSU. And he was the one who turned me on to ayahuasca, my buddy Manton. And I said, yeah, I got this message about helping other veterans. And he goes, shut up, check this out. And he pulled out his phone and he had had an email that day from an English professor up there who said, we want to start a veterans writing group. Do you know anybody who would be interested in helping (laughs) veterans tell their tales? Divine timing. Divine timing. Right. So it sort of fell in my lap. And as I did that and became enmeshed in the veteran community, which I had distanced myself from um, after getting out, it felt very karmic, you know, like see. So when I started the writing group, I invited not just veterans, but anybody, military affiliates. So family members of veterans, you know, because it's the whole community gets affected. The whole family gets affected. So we had people coming into these writing workshops and talking about how the military has affected them and their family from all angles. Children of military members, parents, you know, veterans themselves. And we produced a journal um, with all these writings in it. It was hugely powerful, cathartic. It was beautiful and heart-wrenching and, and all the things. And um, in my personal writing, just to give you an example of how this karmic penance... So the dynamism, let me get back to that point. The dynamism takes that same provocative energy and channels it in, into something creative. So I was doing my own writing, writing a memoir about the war stuff and then also the spiritual experiences and talked about raw and some of these other things that had influence on the way I thought And as I'm just writing about my experience, you know, I'm not telling people what they should think. One of the ladies in my class, um, she'd been a 20-year high school senior English teacher in one of the public schools up there in Northern Colorado. Her dad was retired Marine Corps. Her brother was Marine Corps. And she had a Marine Corps flag in her classroom for 20 years. And she'd invite recruiters in. To come talk to her graduating seniors as a possible next path in life. Mm-hmm. After reading my stuff, she took down the flag, stopped inviting recruiters, you know, and change it of j- perspective. Uh uh-huh, yeah. Change of perspective, I guess, yeah. So that's that's how I interpret the dynamism, right? And then doing the veterans' writing workshops up there, we produced this journal and started having public readings in the community and Veterans for Peace got involved and like it just started generating this shift in energy from like blindly doing back padding of support the troops, which I support the troops, right? This is more of a, a big picture thing mm. to people going, Well, wait a second, you know, why do we blindly support the troops and why do we have all these people coming back who are troubled? And yeah, how does it impact them? Yeah, it just got people thinking about not everybody, but some people thinking about the whole military thing in a different way. And you know, like Ross says, you help one, you help all. Yep. You know? So,
0: yeah, that, that's beautiful. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think the way that the military is kind of pictured, at least from my outsider perspective, is they kind of glorify it like, oh, this is going to be really fun. You can go out and you're going to have a gun and you're going to be basically playing Call of Duty in real life. Like, it's great and stuff. <laughs> but, you know, like, I yeah. don't know, at least that's how I see it. But it's not always, I think there's a lot more psychological issues that come into play there that obviously you've experienced that they don't consider when they're going off in that kind of extreme situation. It's a game changer. I mean, when I went in, I joined
1: because I didn't know what to do because I had been sleeping on a couch for three years. I'd been homeless at one point. I'd been, you know, drug, addicted drugs and alcohol. And like my friends were all dying off from the lifestyle. And so I had my best friend had already gone in and gotten out Mm -hmm. of the army. And he's like, man, you should just go in. And so I, I mean, this was where I was thinking at the time. I thought two things. I thought one, because I wanted to join as an infantryman, right? Okay. The front lines guy. I thought it, there's no drinking on deployment, right? So a year sobriety on deployment and maybe coming face to face with death in combat would give me some renewed zest for life. That's what I was thinking. Wow. And, you know, in some weird way, it worked because it ended up being the catalyst that changed my life. What I hadn't factored in was how would I feel about all the violence I'd been a part of when I got back? Yeah. But I did eventually get sober after all that. And, you know, then I was able to go start helping other veterans and be part of the healing experience. And because I had experienced like the full expression of the violence over there that I felt like I could relate to and help other veterans in a way that may not have been the same if I had just, you know, stayed over here and not seen any combat. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I could I could be there with them and say, "Yeah, brother or sister, I hear you, I feel you, I did the same
0: thing." Right. You know, that's what I think Uh, your greatest gift is in knowing you. You've had so many experiences that you know, whatever, positive, negative, all the above, that you can relate to just about anybody you meet. And I think that's one of the best services you have to offer is to be able to relate on that level and actually be able to help people. It's a gift. I mean, to
1: relate it to the gene keys, the sphere that comes after the life's work is your sphere of sphere of evolution
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: it's the most dynamic sphere in terms of recognizing our life purpose. Um, And mine, the shadow is struggle and it's like across the board struggle. And the, um, the gift is perseverance and the city is honor. And it's the story of the underdog. And it's like, that was also very helpful for me to, um, understand when the jinkies came across my path because I didn't understand why my life, my life looked so different than all my peers. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of us went down the same drinking and drugging path, but they were able to snap out of it, start families, you know, do normal things. And I was like stuck in this quicksand and could not get out of it. All the things, like all the things, you know, like I lived on the extreme periphery or the edges of humanity for so many years and come to find out, You know that's just the nature of that particular shadow, that's Mm -hmm. it. And as one of the expressions becomes self-defeatist, and it can, it's the one out of the thirty-eight. I'm sorry, out of the sixty-four jinkies, it talks about depression moving into suicide. And you know, after a year after I got out of the army, I tried to take my own life. I drank a bottle of Roach Killer, and it was like that was the extreme expression of the shadow of that jinky. It's all right there, sort of like astrology has. A consciousness map at birth, the gene keys, it's all right there. So just to put one more point on this is like, it's interesting to read it and go, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. But what do you do with that? So what's the next thing, right? Yeah. Rather than it just being a pure mirror, which helps because if you see the shadow and you know what it is and you can articulate it and put your finger on it, then you can have the awareness to not engage with it, right? And Mm -hmm. move into the heart. So once the work's done and you move into the Pearl sequence, which unlocks this path of prosperity, it's putting together, it's synthesizing all these awarenesses that you've gained by going through the Gene Keys sequences. And you come to this like intuitive realization, what you're here to do. And for me, I went through the Pearl after going through the other ones and it was like, Oh yeah, this is what I do. You know, like this, so I started a business after going through it, mm-hmm. and um, I call myself a cosmic coach and gene key guide. And what I do is I look at how the heavens are mapped onto somebody's genetic sequencing at birth. Whether it's astrology or actually, it's two things, it's astrology and it's gene keys. And then from there, helping guide people to understand sort of what their karmic lessons are this mm-hmm. lifetime. And how? So this is where the jinkies help the most. My skill set is by helping people find practical solutions to change their behaviors. Okay, so the change the behaviors part is something that's unique to what I have in my jinkies. It's a line five thing. So many people have line fives, right? We don't have to get into all the what that means. But yeah. people who have line fives are here to help people change their behaviors. Where some other lines are help, here to help people change their emotions or thoughts, right? Mine is behavior driven. So, what I help people do is I help give them tools to put in their toolbox about changing behaviors. Okay. That like that's unique to what I do. Mm-hmm. Where I have a friend who's got a line three and they're here to help people change how they feel about themselves, it feels totally different and outside of my wheelhouse. Like, I don't necessarily sit down with people and like, Let's talk about your feelings, and like, it's just not my nature. Yeah. And it's not in my coding. But having experienced all these different expressions of humanity that I have with all the different struggles, I can relate to a whole lot of shadow patterns. And I can help people come up with solutions about how to shift those patterns, the behaviors.
0: Yeah, that, that's amazing because I mean, that's that's a real skill needed these days. But it seems like something that comes naturally for you, kind of like what you were saying. Once you've unlocked some of your different gene key sequences and you've gone through it and you've understood your past, this then kind of comes natural to you where it can flow or some other people, you know, they might be in the, like you're recommending or mentioning with the emotional and stuff. Everyone has their own path, I guess, with it. But coming naturally, it just makes it that much easier. Yeah. And like we were talking about beforehand, do you mind if I mention yours? No, go ahead.
1: Okay. So Nathan has Key 13 as his life's work, right? And he has a line two. So a line two in the life's work is one-on-one partnerships, like face-to-face with somebody. And Key 13 is all about listening. Like the gift in it is all about listening and understanding another person. So if you think about what we're doing here with the podcast, it's a one-on-one thing. You're listening, you're digesting all this stuff that the person across from you is saying, and then you're coming up with these meaningful questions and responses. That is a skill set, you know, and it's in your life's work. You know, this is just one expression of that.
0: That was probably what kind of sold me. I, I've only gone through the activation sequence, so the first one so far, just uh, so the listeners are up to speed with where, at least where I'm at on it. But that was what kind of drew me in right away, is that something, like you were mentioning, there's some sort of synchronicity right away where you're like, wow, this kind of seems to click. And there's something to to dive into there, I guess, a little bit more to if you want to learn more about yourself and you're trying to do some of the personal work. Totally. And it's a self-paced thing. You know, I trust there's a di- divine timing
1: for all this stuff. and
0: <laughs> if, I, if anyone's good at jumping around from things at times there, it's me. I'll I feel drawn to it. I got through the activation sequence, and then I'm back to the law of one or something else. But, man, I, I definitely will be coming back because there's, there's a lot more to explore here.
1: Yeah, and I bet if we looked at the astrology, at your astrology, there's a timing to this things where the energy opens up at different times. You know, for me, it just happened to open up last year in a way where I had— found myself with nothing on my plate, mm-hmm. you know, and I had the time and energy to do it. And interestingly, at least to me, the Venus sequence is our wound map of childhood, right? So it goes back through all these, it, it, these years. It, it's the core wound, which is the shadow patterns and gifts that we receive in utero. And then the next sphere is birth through seven. The next sphere is seven through 14. And then the next sphere is 14 through 21, Well, I just happened to lose my home where I was at, um, at the end of July this past year, just a few months ago. And so I didn't have anywhere to go until this place opened up where I'm at now. And so I had to go back home for two months. with My parents, you know, at 42, I'm like, mom, dad, I need to stay here for two months. And when I got there, I started the Venus Sequence. And so the Venus Sequence is this family patterning that we have. And I would you know, learn about the different shadow gift city patterns that I came in with the specific gene keys. And I would see these patterns and I'd walk out into the living room where my parents were and I would experience them, you know? right? And it used to be where I would go home and my parents have found a way to navigate their own stuff. They've been together for 40 plus years, but I would come home and I would rock the boat by entering in with my energy. And, you know, I've got these thoughts about how I think they should do things. And I've had all this therapy and they've never had me. And wouldn't it be great if they looked into their own shadow and did some work and healed and, <laughs> you know, like very dogmatic. Mm-hmm. And um, basically what I would do is I would just stir up the shit for a couple of weeks and then go home. You know, like, it's like you picture a, a clear lake. And then you get in, you start walking around, all the mud comes up to the surface. and yep. you have The ripples in the water, everything. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then you have to walk away and it settles back to the bottom again. Right. So I'd come in and muddy the water for a couple of weeks and then leave. Well, this time when I was doing the Gene Keys, I did it differently. You know, I went home, I was aware of some of my big patterns, especially provocation, which was an easy one with the family, right? I like to just mm-hmm. be short and snippy, which is a pattern I've had with them forever. And instead... I would read about the patterns that I have in my Venus sequence. And then when I would be around my family, I would choose to respond differently. It was a wildly different experience. Wildly different. You know, it was so peaceful for those two months. And I've never experienced peace like that with my family. Um, They still were themselves, but it was the idea of like, you can't change anyone. Yeah. Be the change. And part of what the Venus sequence talks about, two of the big, the big points are... Um, Self parenting and returning non love with love. And mm-hmm. so, do an example of how. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, my parents are where they're at on their journey. I love them. You know, mm. they've grown immensely. They had me, my mom had me when she was like 20, right? So, I can't even imagine. I'm 42 and still haven't had any kids. You yeah. know, I, <laughs> I still think if I had kids, I'd screw them up. But she had, they had me very young. So as grandparents, they are amazing night and day difference. They've just grown and evolved like we all do. But, you know, they hadn't ever really developed a super nurturing side. Not really. And uh, I just avoided telling my parents stuff that I've been doing the last few years because I didn't think they really care. Or if they cared, they wouldn't know how to show it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's probably closer to it. They wouldn't know how to show it. So I hadn't told my mom about the veterans writing workshop that I had done up here and all that stuff, like all this support from the community and veterans. And like, it was a really big deal doing all that. It was to me. And this time when I got home, I was like, okay, I'll tell her a little bit. So one day when I was at a coffee shop doing my Gene Keys work, I came across this little three minute promo video that CSU had created for the veterans writing program. And they interviewed me and a couple other veterans. And it was this really glowing reviews from... Veterans who participated, Vietnam vets who talked about it. It was super healing and like the weekly therapy for them. So I was like, oh, I'll send this to my mom because she she does a lot of work from the computer. So I knew she would get it. Or actually I sent it to her Mm. phone. I got home that night and I was like, hey, did you see the video I sent you? And she's like, yeah, I didn't have time to watch the whole thing. And I was like, it's a three minute video. (laughs) You didn't have time to watch the whole thing. you know, like she's retired basically. She, and I You didn't have time to watch. I didn't say anything. Right. But I had been doing the Venus sequence that day. And it was talking about self-parenting where we don't need another person to dictate or control or influence how we feel. We can stay in our emotional center and be our own parent when things aren't going the way we want. And so in that moment. Rather than engaging in provocation, which would have been like, Mom, it's a three minute video. You couldn't do it. You sit on the couch all day. You can't do a three minute, you know, like doing that whole thing. <laughs> I took some deep breaths and I was like, okay. And I went I went to my room, my childhood room. And I sat there on the bed and I was like, This is where they're at on the journey. You know, this is where they're at. I can self parent this. You know, I don't need them. I don't need no one can control how I feel, right? Only mm-hmm. I can allow I'm in control of my, well, not control is not the right work, right? Like feelings arise how they arise, but I could breathe through it and not let it affect me to the point where I engage in the shadow frequency provocation or whatever, you know, being yeah. snippy. And then I returned non-love with love. I took that, that engagement as an expression of non-love on her part, whether it was or not, that's how I felt, mm. right? She she doesn't love me enough to watch this one video, the one time I open up about what I've been doing. But I returned it with love. Like, this is where they're at. Maybe she didn't have time. Maybe something came up. Maybe her granddaughter came around. I mean, I don't know, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't know the whole circumstance. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she watched it the next day. But it definitely felt like the catalyst coming in, as it does... Right. And like, how are you going to choose to do this this Here's time? Here's your chance.
0: You just learned about this. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah.
1: Because if I responded in a negative way, the catalyst would just reappear again down the, lo- down the road, right? Like mm-hmm. That's just the nature of catalysts. Yep. Until we can recognize it, release it, embrace it, all those things. So
0: the Venus sequence for me was hugely, hugely helpful. That is kind of funny, the way that the timing worked out there too, with being back with your family, with that Venus sequence being pretty significant and yeah. working through childhood issues, but you're able to see it again in, you know at that age too, and literally work through it at the time, being home for that couple month period you were there. Totally. yeah. And they, they talk about in the gene keys that um, if you're with a partner,
1: so I, I'm single right if you're with a partner, you can work through a lot of the Venus sequence just by being around them. Even if it's the childhood stuff, because the patterns still reappear. Hmm. I just happen to be single and back home, you know, so everybody doesn't have to go home to do the Venus sequence. Right. You know, it just shows up in other relationships at other times. For me, I just happen to be back Fort Worth, Texas, mom and dad.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that is funny. And I mean, that makes sense too, with even what Rod talks about with everyone kind of being a mirror for you. So what you are basically the way you react to certain situations and stuff from what other people tell you is telling you something about yourself that you either need to work on or have the opportunity to work on. And I think that's a beautiful example of you being able to then realize that in the moment when your mom's telling you that, and then to be able to flip it and be like, Nope, I'm going to return this with love, let it go, kind of take the higher perspective, I guess, and, and step back. So it's, it's a great example of how to use catalyst, I think. Yeah. And if you think about it as a frequency, right, the
1: shadow is fear-based and the gift is love-based. My initial response when she said that triggered the the shadow, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like I was just in my heart like some wise guru and she could say whatever she want. And, you know, I'm just like on cloud nine. It was recognizing that, oh, this is triggering the shadow. Like this is moving me into a fear response. You know, and the response is probably well, just to give you an example. So, my (laughs) core wound, right, the one that I received in utero, in the womb, the shadow, and you get it from your mother, is half heartedness. Mm. And the gift is commitment, and the city is devotion. But at the shadow level, the half heartedness is like what I saw from her, right? She only watched half the video, she was only half into it. Even as a kid, she was half in, half out. She worked so much that she was never around. When I wrote my memoir, she barely even gets any mention in there because I just don't really have any memories. She was yeah. just on the periphery, half in, half out. She was half in, half out with the marriage. You know, these are things that they've changed and worked through. You know, these are just early childhood patterns. So it's helpful too with the gene keys to recognize that, right? Like I can see that. But from that comes commitment. My mom, as I've gotten older and when I was going through my dark night of the soul, she was absolutely 100% committed to helping me whenever I needed help. Whether it was helping me come to Colorado and go to rehab or anything it took, she has been fully committed. She, like anybody else's, was working through her patterns early on. Mm-hmm. You know, The half-heartedness was when her and my dad got married. It was sort of like the lesser of two evils for her to marry versus not knowing what she was doing at 18 and she'd live like in a foster family and you know she had a difficult childhood mm. but as she grew and she was always the spiritual pillar in the family she prayed every day and had a very close relationship with god um she began to work through her own stuff you know so you can and see so, her working yeah she's fully kinda, committed and yeah. she's committed as a as a grandmother and and she my parents had like Um, exchange students from around the world for 12 years. They still keep in contact with them. Her handle on Instagram is world mom. And like all these kids still come back and visit and love her. And like, yeah, they're doing the thing, you know, like anybody else, they're, they're on the path of healing. I just noticed that, that, that shadow pattern was triggering my shadow pattern. Mm -hmm. Right. But I could choose to move back into the heart. You know, it's a choice to move into the heart. It's not one of these, it's not a destination. You know, it's not like one day you arrive at green ray energy and you're here, Oh, ah, you mm-hmm. know, like I am in green ray. Nothing can bother me. Yeah, no, dude. It's like the shadow gets triggered, but how do we engage with it? The catalyst come. What do
0: we do? Yep. And what you were kind of getting at there too, I've noticed it's easy to identify some of this in, in others, anyone yeah. but yourself. But then the hardest part, obviously, is going back and working in yourself, recognizing that in the moment and actually choosing to, to act differently from there. Totally, and I, I'll tell people too. If uh, I'm moving out to Colorado, my family's back in Chicago. If, uh, if I want to test my spirituality levels, uh, go back to Chicago <laughs> for a week, <laughs> spend some time with the family. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, that's always a polarizing one, to say the least.
1: <laughs> right. Like the path of being the the recluse on the side of a mountain somewhere and meditating twenty hours a day. That's the easy path, mm-hmm. easier path. It's the interacting with people where the catalyst comes face to face. Yes. Every mirror interaction with another person showing the part of you that could use more love. Man, exactly. that's where the work is, bro.
0: It is not the hermit path, although there are perks doing that, too. Right. Yeah, you're not kidding. So I <laughs> uh, wanted to move on a little bit about how the Gene Keys relate to the Law of One. We've kind of been sprinkling in a little bit, but I think the main one, at least uh, from what we were talking about, was the Disciplines of the Personality. And in 7410, Rod basically explains that this is the paramount work if we want to progress in consciousness, is working through the disciplines of the personality. And as we alluded to earlier, that's the one, know yourself, two, accept yourself, three, become the creator. And I think Rod does a good job of laying the philosophical groundwork for that. And we talk about balancing and healing a little bit, but stuff like this, and I found this in the... um, Uh, Eight Limbs of Yoga, Mm -hmm. but Gene Keys in particular is like the groundwork level of how to know yourself, accept yourself, at least from what I've seen there. Is that, I mean, we've kind of touched on it, but is that what your thoughts are too, or how do you see that relating? Totally. And I
1: would start with a little wink from the universe, perhaps uh, this synchronicity. So, Ra was channeled in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. The Gene Keys are based on the human design understanding of how The planets are mapped onto our genetic sequencing, right? Mm. And the guy who got the download, who got the – who channeled that information, how the stars line up with our genetic coding, guess what his name was? Raw. (laughs) And that was in the late 80s. I mean you can't make this stuff up, right? So we've got Raw, the law of one, doing this broad philosophical overview of the nature of reality, right? Mm -hmm. Of the cosmic move through the densities. And then we've got Raw, coming in later in the '80s, who channels how our personal map of consciousness looks at the time of birth. And then Richard came. Richard studied underneath Raw, the second Raw, for twenty years, right? And he did all these Eastern disciplines, yoga, and all that sort of stuff. Very mystic. He although he calls himself creator of the gene keys. Yeah, Yeah. Richard Rudd. Yes, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Although he says he's a poet first, which I like because his language being poetry. When he, when he describes the cities, which seem to be this 4D expression that's coming online, it talks about un, universal consciousness, the sort of so it doesn't use the term "social memory complex," but if you read it, that's what it, that's what it evokes. It. That's what it elicits that sort of emotional like resonance with that idea. And as a poet, poetry is always reaching for something beyond articulation. You know, it's touching the ineffable, mm-hmm. the the un the unknown, the inarticulable. You know, and so it's really great that he has that skill set when he's talking about it because it's like the shadow and the gift are the know yourself part, right? And yeah. there's three tenets of Gene Keys. it's allow, accept, and embrace. Allow is similar to acknowledge, you know, it's like knowing yourself, knowing what these patterns are, knowing what you came in with, Mm -hmm. seeing provocation or seeing struggle or whatever it is, right? And then accepting it is the same middle pillar for both of them. When you accept it, you don't fight it. It's a surrender thing. It's moving into the heart space. It's allowing things to be without the mind trying to control for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then the jinkies say embrace, and that's like leaning way into it, like whatever experience comes, leaning into it. And I imagine that's similar to being the creator because at a certain level, the adept begins programming his or her own catalyst, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, you're choosing your experience. You're becoming the creator. And I imagine as we move into the Cidic expression, whether or not we reach full city enlightenment or however you want to term that, there's threads of the Cidic energy coming through all the time. It's part of the same plant, right? It's the fruit. Yeah. So we can touch or taste or feel that sort of next four D expression as we're moving towards this consciousness tipping point where one day we band together telepathically as a social memory complex. Yeah. And the so if you were to just read the cities, it would paint This picture of 4D consciousness where for me, again, it either resonates or it doesn't, but I read it and I'm like, yes, this is what we're moving toward, you know, and it's not a definitive thing. It's a poetic leaning into what could be coming and how it could be expressed.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's when you were describing that, I was kind of thinking of the idea of peeking through the veil you get you can do this with little bits here and there you get glimpses of it so it'd be like kind of glimpses of getting that city come through yeah. but so you have an idea of what it could be but then you need to fully embrace that and open that channel to to actually um, fully get that energy in yeah and i suppose uh okay so this is probably key i
1: should mention this if we're doing a lot one so what's super interesting what i think is like fascinating about this is that Human design and the Gene Keys talk about 2012 was this date where we moved into this next expression of energies coming onto the planet, right? Mm-hmm. And Ra talks about 4D uh, green ray energies coming in yeah right would you say that's correct
0: yeah yeah, yeah. that's what they're talking about is entering at the 20 degrees north of east or yeah something like that right yeah coming yeah in. Yeah. the earth's
1: tilt in mm-hmm. the magnetic pole is shifting in a way where the earth is basically at the smallest photonic level green ray after 2012 right yep as the harvest is going on well t- human design and gene keys point to 2027 as this next shift in the human genome they're talking about it coming through the gene key 55, which is this gene key where the shadow is victimization, like victim consciousness. And the the analogy that's given is, it's called the dragonfly's dream. So the dragonfly as an insect is a water nymph. That's the first thing it starts out, this little water nymph insect that's a predator, right? Mm-hmm. And then one day something happens. There's this genetic trigger, this marker that's engaged, and it goes to a little plant shoot climbs up out of the water and then the rays from the sun cause its exoskeleton to molt and the wings that have been latent laying inside expand and the water, the element that they had been in, in, moves into the wings and pushes them out. So the energy from the sun causes this dragonfly. It's a genetic change, right? Mm -hmm. We're used to hearing about the chrysalis and the butterfly caterpillar one, but this is a closer representation to what's supposed to be happening in 2027 is it's this genetic markers triggered and there's this shift. What's interesting is that the gene keys in human design talk about it's a shift in the solar plexus, this mutation in the solar plexus. Human design mentions it as the solar plexus goes away the the channels that have been the core channels of tribalism and moves into universal consciousness spirit consciousness. I've even mm-hmm. heard some describe it as moving from the solar plexus into the heart. If you read the raw material, it says that at some point yellow ray is turned off. That's the solar plexus. Yeah. And that 4d yeah. as the social memory complex is gaining coherence and harmony before they learn how to veil themselves. You know, it's like as that 4d social memory complex is coming online, there's no 3d life here on Earth, right? Mm, And it's the yellow ray that gets turned off. Does that not line up? Because it's talking about in human design and Gene Keys that it's this mutation in the solar plexus where it moves up into the heart. To me, that is the yellow ray beginning to turn off. Yeah. The next kids that are born or however that looks, I don't know if current people incarnated have the same shift, but some change is, you know, predicted to begin happening in 2027. There's these huge, huge cycles coming to an end and beginning.
0: Yeah, that that's fascinating. I think that's really interesting, especially how these two kind of intertwine. And that's kind of why I was wanting to have this conversation at the yeah. beginning, because it does seem like they both somewhat corroborate each other.
1: Totally. I mean, what are the odds that it would be the solar plexus going away in the human design channel? Like, yeah, That's the channel that's switching, that's going away.
0: Right. Being the density we're in, that we're working through, working to get it into the heart, to, to, to still kinda, it just all kind of seems to line up there.
1: It does. And I don't think it's an overnight thing. No, no, it's just this genetic shift at one gene. Well, that's how it
0: starts. And what was Ross? It's 100 to 700 years. Basically, is this transition to Mm -hmm. fourth density. So it's this could be a key factor in that process. But it's not like overnight in 2027. Then uh, one day everyone's is going to be fourth density, right? No, starting the the process. It's starting.
1: And if I had looked ahead of time, so. It's like this we're moving out of this gate collectively as they call it gates in human design i'm not fully fluent in that school thought but i've done a little bit of research into it after coming across this and it was like this gate of tribalism the gate of bargaining the rise of the money systems the rise of all that sort of stuff you think about the okay. hallmarks of i mean capitalism would be an expression it started mid 1600s and it ends 2027 this new gate we're moving into which i think is called the the cross of the rising phoenix. Mm starts in 2027 and it goes for a number of years so it lines up too with the raw thing about 100 or 700 years you know depending on
0: how these cycles work yeah yeah these processes that you're working through yeah Ah, man that's interesting i'd be curious to check out human design a little bit more that's not what i'm very familiar with but i know it was somewhat very closely tied to the Gene Keys. yeah richard said that so the human design
1: that came through raw was very cerebral and intellectual and then the gene keys is more From the heart. Okay. And it's, you don't have to know anything about the astrology to do the gene keys, where human design is very astrology focused. Like each channel relates, there's planets for each gate and all these things, which it relates in the gene keys, but it's behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, it's underneath the hood of the car where you can hop in the car, the vehicle of the gene keys, and ride it to your destination of heart centered consciousness where you don't have to know how the engine works and all that stuff. Yeah. So
0: look at it. The analogy of the hitchhiker, right? That Ra gives there, you give you're, you're giving yourself the chance to, to walk that whole journey and experience it all versus just getting in the car. I mean, this may be a little different than yours there, but getting in the car, not really paying attention to the road. You're instead given the chance to walk the whole journey and go through it that way. But yeah. And I know
1: it's tempting to want to uh, hitchhike and hurry up and get somewhere, like hurry up and get to whatever the supposed destination is. Yeah. The destination is ever present, right? Like we're always,
0: we're always where we're supposed to be. Yeah. It's the journey. I think so. It's the fun part. And the sucky part sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Ryan. Well, I think we've been going on for a little while here, so um, I guess we'll start to wrap it up, but. If uh, anybody's interested in getting in contact with you, what's, uh, could you share some of your information? Sure. You can go to my website,
1: which is ryanlanhamcoaching.com. Lanham is L-A-N-H-A-M.
0: And i I'll put it in the description then to your, your website. link. Yeah.
1: You put it in the show notes. That'd mm-hmm. be cool. Yeah. Or they can email me at ryanlanhamcoaching at gmail.com. Either way, the website has a contact form. So happy to people reach out if they have questions.
0: Um. Yeah, could you just describe, I guess, what is it that you, that you offer then a little bit along the lines of the Gene Keys and, I guess, astrology as well, too? So the first thing I would do
1: is get the, people's, the person's birth information, and we'd create a Gene Keys profile so that we have that to look at, and also look at their natal chart, the astrology natal chart. And mm-hmm. we could look at the current transiting chart of the planets, and I focus primarily on the nodes in Chiron. Chiron is this little asteroid, I don't know how little it is, but it's an (laughs) asteroid that's in between the orbit of Saturn and Uranus, and it indicates where our deepest wounds are in the lifetime. So the Gene Keys has a wound map. Chiron is a more generalized expression, but it adds another layer of context of what our deepest wound is. Okay. So the nodes are basically the north node, which is Part, they're part of the moon expression here on Earth, and they, they okay. rule karmic completions and karmic destiny. So South Node is like sort of the ideas, past life stuff that we've come in with, things that we have already either mastered or have a skill set in, and then the North Node is where we're moving toward in this lifetime. Okay, and so we would look at where a person is going in the life, and then the gene keys would paint a map of how it would look expressed through their set of gifts and shadows and all that stuff so the example i've given people is like if we looked at your astrology chart and said you're going to be moving to japan five years from now like to me that's more interesting where they're going than the how like how am i going to get there that's what all the other planets sort of show is the how well am i going to you know take a bus to the airport and then fly on a 747 or am i going to drive to the ocean and then take an ocean liner like the how when you're in it is important but where you're going, to me, feels more important. That's what we look at.
0: Yeah. yeah so we're... the
1: nodes indicate where you're going. The other planets okay. are how it's expressed. And the gene keys are sort of like, you know, with the life's work, it's, it's what you're here to do, your unique gifts. So we synthesize and look at it all together. And um, I've got a pay-what-you-want model. So different people get different things out of, out of the, our time together. And they pay whatever they feel like the value was for them. Yeah. Which I like. I like doing that versus the uh, strict "this is what I charge" sort of thing, right? And there's a trust there, right? Like there's a trust that everything will work out, that abundance
0: will flow in, you know, and yeah. it has. So, oh, well, that's beautiful. So I guess the listeners, if you feel inspired to reach out, I would highly recommend you talk to Ryan here. It's it's been great. I mean, we've been doing a number of these conversations on and off, and uh, yeah, I think you got a lot to offer. So. For now though, I thank you for coming on the podcast here. This is this has really been great. I, I hope everyone found this interesting as much as much as we did. So Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. And of course, yeah, I'll probably have to have you back. There'll be more. I can always talk. <laughs> well, thanks again, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah, cheers.